0: This is your Frederick Real Estate Update. A conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results, Darren Ahern, and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan.
1: Hey, folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with Remax Results. Hope you are having a wonderful weekend. Got a little bit of rain out there going on, but that's okay. That doesn't hurt anything. It just keeps our grass green and all that. But I hope you are doing well. The kids just about out of school now, I think, pretty much, and summer in full bloom and maybe making some vacation plans and all that kind of stuff like that. So I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you so much for all of our listeners. You can call in and give us your thoughts today. To, uh, it's going to be 301 694 and or you can text it in and I'll cover that. Terry and I will. And Terry is in an undisclosed location today. He's away from me, not sitting next to me as my wingman, but no pun intended for the Tom Cruise. Awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to go see it. But all right, Terry, are you there?
0: I am. I am. I am. I am. How are you?
1: All right. Doing good. Good, good. All right. Let's get right on into it today. If you could, please let us know what in the world is happening in the mortgage world out there. So go ahead. Tell everybody.
0: Well, before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Becky Labosco and Patrick McInerney. Uh, I'm at uh, attending their wedding today and uh, looking forward to a great time. Got in last night. And I had a great reception, and uh, best of luck to uh, the soon-to-be McInerney clan. Um, But the market, uh, this has been kind of a crazy week. And the numbers that just keep coming in, I keep shaking my head going, really? And then there's still demand out there? So let's talk a little bit about what's going on. What was the big news this week? It was the Consumer Price Index. The CPI came in at 1%, okay? The CPI is the consumer price index, and this is one of the leading indicators of inflation. So the Feds are raising the rate. They're continuing to raise the rates. The CPI comes in at 1%, which is not good. It was projected to come in at 0.7%. So what did we see? We saw an 800-point hit in the stock market yesterday, okay? The fear of inflation is building, okay? So what we're seeing is that the CPI came in above what it thought it was going to be. This week was a bad week for rates. It was a bad week for the stock market and a bad week for the rate. People are taking money out of both markets. So basically what they're doing is more and more people are sitting on the sideline. So our stocks are going down and our rates are going up. Okay? That usually doesn't happen. So what we're taking a look at is what's, what's happening next week, Darren, is we've got the PPI. The producer price index it's the other leading indicator to tell us where the inflation is and that is expected to be at point eight percent don't be surprised if it comes in above expectations so what's going to happen is that comes out on Tuesday Wednesday we're going to have the Fed meet and or Tuesday and Wednesday the Fed meets and then at two o'clock Chairman Powell addresses the world and basically my belief is he's going to come out and raise interest rates again by a half percent he's going to do it in june and he's going to do it in july and then i think it's going to break down to a quarter 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 and hopefully they're going to see what they've created with raising these interest rates so fast but here's what's very very interesting is the demand for housing consumer confidence we're at the lowest it's been in 22 years okay so Fannie Mae does a national housing survey every month, and they basically ask three questions – or two questions. One question, sorry. Is it a good time to buy or not a good time to buy? And in April of 21, 50% of the people said it's a good time to buy. 50% said that it was a bad time to buy. Okay? It was really 48-48, and there's 4% that usually don't know whether it's a good time or bad time. In July of 21, that 50% or 48% that said it's a good time to buy dropped to 28%. July of 2021. In February of 2022, that number went up 1%. So it was at 29% of the people thought that it was okay to buy or not a good time to buy. Um so that number has dropped significantly, and last month it's down to 17%. And that's pretty much uh, the lowest it's been since 2008. The demand for new mortgages is down to its lowest in 22 years. So I think we're going to um, start seeing rising supply, which will help settle things down a little bit. But the last thing that I want to talk about is one thing that nobody has talked about. And that is the cost of lumber. All we heard when it was going up, up, up is that it was going up, 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 right? I mean, that's all we heard, right? The cost of lumber was going nuts. Lumber is based on the US dollar per thousand board feet, okay? And during the height of the pandemic and the height of the demand for lumber, it got up to over $1,700. Per thousand dollar board feet. Now, before the pandemic, it was around four or five hundred dollars. Where do you think it stands today, Darren? Take a guess.
1: I'm going to be one of those four percent guys and just be like, I have no idea. I know it's come down. I have no idea. I know it's come down a little bit, but tell us where is it at now?
0: It just yesterday went under six hundred dollars. It's five ninety nine per thousand board feet. So the cost of lumber, nobody's talking about. But why I'm interested is because that's all about, you know, the building industry. And we're starting to see a slowdown in, you know, consumer confidence. We're starting to see a slowdown here. So I think that the market is going to turn a little bit. And the reason for the drop in the lumber is the demand has been going down and the supply has been going up. So when that happens, the price of something drops. So I don't know. You're going to talk about some numbers, and I'm I'm very interested to hear what they are. But I can't believe that we can sustain what we're seeing with people still coming in with multiple offers above the the list price. Rates have jumped up. We're almost at 6% now. Um, So uh, it's kind of crazy out there.
1: Alrighty, You just said something. I, I haven't been paying attention the last few days. I've been dealing with a lot of real estate, crazy stuff and all that I'm going to share with you. Um, but you just said interest rates are getting closer towards the 6% mark. So that would be interesting. Well, last week, Terry inventory 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 we couple things we're going to key indicators to pay attention to um we were at 351 to this morning we're at 396 we are almost at 400 we have not seen that in quite a while so what are your thoughts on that
0: well it, it goes to exactly what um uh, exactly what i just talked about i, I believe that you know we had such a drop, it went from 29% of everybody thought that it was a good time to buy a house, which means that eighty or 71% didn't think it was a good time to buy a house. And now that number's jumped 10%, 12%. So there's almost 81% or 82% of the people out there think it's a bad time to buy the house. So the demand is lowering and the supply is rising. So when that happens in any economic situation, the price of whatever is being sold is going to either level out or come down. So I think that that's a huge number. It may not sound like a big increase, but to me it is a big increase. And once we get above 400, which could be next week, uh, I think that will be huge.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Well, the resales, uh, so that's 9%. Our inventory has gone up in one week, which is almost 1% per day. So that, if that's the case and this trend continues, which it seemingly almost does, by the end of the year, Terry, I will probably lose my bet. We will be above 550 homes active on the market for sale. Um, new construction 's not going to be part of that number much at all because that 's at one hundred and thirty five and that 's where it stays. it may go to one hundred and fifty but I think that 's actually going to go. A little bit lower while the resales rise up a little bit higher, and is the driving number of that as sellers are now more than ever realizing that we're more than at the top of the market, I think, in most cases. So, resales 261 average time on the market um, the um, average, the median is 15 days, the average now is 21 days. So, we have definitely seen um, that increase a little bit, and the median price is holding steady at about 475. 89 coming soon. We got to 99. We got to about 100. I thought it would continue to go up from there. But as of right now, there's 89 homes coming soon for sale. So I think what happened is in this last week, we saw a lot of the ones that would, um, that they basically came out of coming soon into the active status. And they're staying in that because the average time is now almost at three weeks in that regard. So those are good things to pay attention to. Pending under contracts, four hundred fifty-five, resale, eight thirty-four total. So that number is hanging on pretty good for this time of the year, I think. It's above a little bit above the average, Uh, but that's going to change, as we know. And sold in the last 30 days is 834, 13 average days in the market. And then the big number, the 101.9% sold average price list ratio. Um, We know that 97.3 is about a nice average, 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 but we're still above that. Um, And I think the thing, Terry, that's doing that are a lot of the homes that are $350,000 are the ones who are the mass majority getting multiple offers, still probably about 70 to 75% of them still are. And that number is going to continue to come down little by little by little. Okay, so those are my thoughts on the numbers. Those are the uh, strategic things. So, oh, I want to have some fun. Terry, before you get into some of the stuff, I asked you the question. Uh, uh, this is something I think is really important to mention again this week. I had it happen. Oh, man. Remember how, Terry, the golden rule is you never make a large or significant major purchase before settlement, right? Yes. Yes. We- yes. Please don't. Please don't. So, we always try to tell people don't open new credit cards, don't buy a car. Um, just live the way you are. Don't do anything crazy. Don't, you know, just, just live the way you're doing. Just don't open new accounts. Don't, don't do anything crazy. Right. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. this week, Terry, somebody blew it. They did it. They broke the golden rule of real estate. When it comes time to, you know, how you live your life before the time you get a house under contract to settlement, and after a walkthrough, Terry, I had a couple. They went to, um, we did a walkthrough. We're on the way to settlement, and they're like, okay, we have an hour between, you know, we'll meet you there. And guess what my buyers did that blew up their whole transaction this entire week. You ready? Guess what they did.
0: They went and bought something, or had already bought something.
1: No, they didn't have. They went and bought something, and it messed the whole thing up. They stopped at the gas station to fill up their Ford Excursion, and it was over $220 in gas. It was a major, significant purchase, and it messed up their whole loan. Can you believe it?
0: I can't believe that, because that shouldn't have triggered anything. <laughs>
1: uh, that was the fun I'm having today. <laughs> Terry, we just added into the whole entire significant major purchase. Going to the gas station is now something to stay away from before you buy a house. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That sounds good. There you go. That was my fun. Come on, you gotta laugh. If we no, if okay. we to the gas station I, and we cry. I thought you were being serious. <laughs> I was being serious. But when you pull in but now, instead of going to buy furniture or things like that, we already know that. Don't go to the gas station. So you, after you get the keys to your dream home, then you can start crying your eyes out at the gas station. But for now, you got to have fun a little bit and laugh for a minute, because you can't make this stuff up. So yeah, my TDI Jetta, it was eighty dollars to fill it up now. So overnight, it's true, prices went up again. This morning, it was eighty bucks. So, all right, Terry, let's talk about this. I asked you last week, and this is significant on one of my listings, a home with a, a spring-fed water supply can it pass for an FHA, VA, or USDA loan, or does it have to be a conventional loan only? And I know this is a rare situation, but you and I like to talk about because somebody's going to buy this house. I already got four more showings this weekend. We did have to lower the price. We adjusted the price $10,000 more. It is really good now because I got four showings this weekend, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get an offer. But if you are doing a loan on this house, what can the buyer do?
0: Well, um, I, I talked to a couple different people, and one of the people I talked to was Kenny McClain, who we have as a guest as you know as an appraiser, as an expert appraiser. And what we talked about in the research that I've done, basically a spring-fed home can go FHA, VA, USDA, but here's the catch: it has to have another backup water source. Okay, because if the spring dries up then they're out of water, okay? So what you're taking a look at is you have to have another water source in order to go that route is what I've seen and what I've been told, okay? So I called Kenny, and I said, Kenny, what's go, what goes on with these spring-fed water um, homes? And he said, well, they really don't go conventionally, FHA, VA. They have to go kind of into a portfolio loan with, like, a smaller bank that is okay putting it on there's going to be a larger down payment involved and it is a possibility because there aren't a lot of comps out there he said they're more prevalent in washington county than they are in credit county the farther you go out the more rural rural that you get is where you're going to run into more and most of them are on old farmhouses very very old farmhouses So what he said was, you know, it's usually uh, tough to find comps with the same thing, but that's what they have to do is, you know, look for them, go farther out. Okay, that makes sense. So the financing is going to be tough to get. Um, You know, and and, and Kenny and I talked, and, you know, we both kind of agreed we're not experts in this field, but putting a well in will probably cost about $10,000. In that range uh for drilling and you know securing it might be in the ten thousand dollar range and that you know so basically it's going to be a little tougher to get financing with a spring fed well
1: yeah that's my thoughts as well on it no doubt about it so um yeah and it becomes like you said there is no backup water source for this house there's no well and it would cost about ten or twelve to put one in, and that was my thoughts too. I said to the sellers, you know, I mean, they were just like, no, just lower the price ten thousand. We're going to get an offer, and somebody can put one in. But they've never had a problem. It's never dried up. They've they've had the house of property a very very long time. Um, but of course, there's never a guarantee with that. But thanks for checking in on that. Um, another thing yesterday. Oh, had a settlement yesterday down in Germantown. Check this out. Um walkthrough situation. Not a not huge. We got a solution quick, but it was one of those deals like hey, the ice maker on the refrigerator was broken. They already knew that before. The buyers knew it. It's on my listing. So the sellers were cool. They were willing to give us sixteen hundred dollars credit. Hey, go buy what you want. So the um so the buyers didn't pick anything out yet, and so they were assuming and uh, that the buyers would, the sellers would keep the old refrigerator where the ice maker wasn't working, but everything else was. Well, my guys thought they were doing a favor instead of asking me or telling me or doing anything. They just removed it, took it to their house, put it in their garage. Next thing I know, the agent calls me in a panic and said, "Where'd the refrigerator go?" And I said, "Well, it sounds like the seller was doing the buyers a favor and removing it. So, well." They want it back, so we got to go back, take it back today until they get a brand new one because supply chain issues. They are picking out a refrigerator, and they may not get one for a week or two or longer. And so they're cool with not having an ice maker that works, but they definitely want to have something else. So we're going to put it not in the fridge, in the kitchen. It's just going to hang out in the garage until they get their new one, and then the other one will get taken away. So that was the quick fix, but here's why I'm sharing this. First question was, the thing I said to the, a, the other agent is, well, what does the addendum, what, did, what was in the addendum? Because she said there was nowhere in there that said about removing it or keeping it or anything like that. And she said, what's the default on that? And I said, go by the contract. It's not what you and I say. It's by what the contract says. And so, of course, there was nothing in there. We came to an agreement outside of the contract on our own, but it was really nice to have my real estate attorney looking at everything at settlement and being able to give their interpretation of was the seller required to leave it there or not. And so one of the big things comes down to the conveyance sheet. And on the conveyance sheet, initially, we had in there that the refrigerator was going to convey. So contractually, the buyer is entitled to be able to have that refrigerator. So that would have been the end result. Bar none, that's pretty much what I kind of told my sellers, and uh, we're going to help them out and get it taken in after, mo- after we're done here today. We're going to go ahead and take that back over for the buyers, and they're all happy and everybody left in, a, in, a, in, a, in no big deal. But, Terry, what would have happened if the buyer said, hey, um, we don't want it back. We want more of a credit. We want money for that old refrigerator where the ice maker is not working. You're causing us an inconvenience. We want another $500 credit what would have happened in that scenario? Tell everybody.
0: Well, we wouldn't have been involved with that because it had already settled.
1: No, this so is if, No, this is if Oh, uh, so this, this is if they Yeah, if the buyer said we don't want to settle, we want we don't want to settle until we get more credit because of the inconvenience or whatever it is. What would have happened from a lender point of view in that scenario?
0: So basically, if you're going to give them a credit, it has to be a credit towards their closing costs. It can't go towards down payment. It can't go towards the refrigerator. It's just a credit to them to put towards their closing costs. If it's less than 3% or 6%, depending on how much they're putting down, then it's not that big of a deal. But anything like that, the lender kind of stays out of. You know, we're not going to put on our, our zebra shirts and referee this one. We're going to basically wait and see how it plays out and kind of let them know that, hey, you know, money doesn't exchange hands at the table. It's all in the contract. And basically, if you want a credit,
1: it's going to go towards your closing costs. There you go. So, but could that have delayed if you added that in at the last minute more closing costs? And it, even though it was significantly below the, it was a conventional loan, so they can only get up to three percent closing help as a buyer, and it was still significantly below that because the house was four ninety five. What um, would that have delayed settlement?
0: It shouldn't have delayed settlement because all you're doing is adding it to the closing disclosure. Uh, you don't have to send it back to underwriting if it's a nominal amount like that. Most underwriting approvals there on a conventional loan with less than 20% down, let's say it's a 5% down conventional, um, most approvals are going to say um, cash contribution from, or, or you know, uh, seller credit not to exceed 3%. And that kind of covers you if you have a negotiation on the last day that all you got to do is just add it to the closing disclosure. And it's done very easily and any adjustments are, are handled right there without having to go back and get the underwriter involved.
1: All right, that is good to know. I hope everybody was listening to that because this stuff is really technical, very significant on the rules of what you can and can't do, especially at last-minute stuff, Terry, right? And this is the stuff where, thank God, doing this so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, you get an idea, and uh, I wouldn't want to be a new agent in this business Uh to be very honest with you, I'd rather go to medical school and do a residency in the whole nine yards practically some days that I deal with, as you can imagine. So thanks for that. That is good to know. Uh, the good news is we didn't have to do none of that kind of stuff. We got They got it worked out very quickly, easily done, put it in the bottom of the beautiful addendum for the walkthrough that this is what Byron Seller agrees to have happen. And everybody signs off in it and happy, happy, happy. So, um, But, man, I can tell you now not every settlement ends with happy, happy. Everybody's in agreement took two minutes. That was easy. If it was like that in our world today, Terry, we'd be in good shape. We could run the government. (laughs) Ha-ha! If we could do that, it'd be amazing. All right. Thoughts about the market as we finish up here, Terry, in the next five minutes or so? Um, I'm more worried about the stock market, like you said, than the real estate market, even though some of the numbers you're sharing are very significant. We'll pay attention to it, and especially buyer demand and how they're navigating through things like that. Um, I just uh, looked at a property today and the the buyers, they're kind of like, first time that I think we could probably get closing costs help because they didn't get an offer accepted on the place yet. So that would be really significant for what I'm dealing with. Um, But one of the things I want to talk about is, as you know, I was in North Carolina. I went to Atlantic Beach where I was going in the 70s as a child. I haven't been back in 40 years to go there and actually stand on the sandy beaches and be right next to the house. Um, in front of the house where we stayed as little kids in the 70s and to be able to see the neighborhood and what's changed in the whole nine yards since then. But back in the 70s, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of real estate stuff. I started to, of course, I'm looking around, dreaming, thinking, hey, let's buy one of these. Hey, now that I'm the parent, I got children, let's buy one of these beachfront places so our kids can come back here one day. We can rent it out. We can Airbnb. We can have a lot of fun because I stayed in a nice Airbnb, and the tune of that cost was very significant. Uh, but it's gorgeous and it's beautiful. So it got my mind thinking of real estate investing on it. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, back in the late 70s, my parents could have purchased this home for well under, probably a little under, under $100,000, no doubt, right? So beautiful house, updated, everything in the area has grown, the whole nine yards, and the homes that are pretty close to it on the beach – Terry, they're selling for between a million and 1.4 million dollars. Okay. So, I'm thinking in my mind, well, what would have happened if my parents took savings and instead of buying this house and having a mortgage? Because, as you know, back then, uh, the rates in the 70s were what? 10, 12, 14% interest rate. And let's say they had the 20% back in the day to put down. Let's say it was $100,000, which it would have been. And they had a loan for $80,000 back in the 70s at the tune of 12 or 14%. What do you think the mortgage payment would have been on for that beachfront property? How much would the mortgage payment been approximately?
0: Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. I'd have to run some numbers. But $100,000, $14,000, probably $1,000.
1: Okay. All right. So it's a thousand. Let's just fu- have fun here. So let's just say back then the payment would have been a thousand dollars a month, right? Well, I talked to my dad and I found out that, that for one week to l- rent that house, it was, um, it was $375 a week to rent the beachfront house. Well, that doesn't sound like a lot of money till he told me, yeah, but our mortgage payment for the house you lived in was $197 a month. So it was double, it was nearly double for the beach. It was nearly double, which today, if you have a $2,000 a month mortgage, that would be like you paying $4,000 a week for a beachfront house, which that's about what they <laughs> rent for and then some. So all of a sudden I started thinking, well, this is all pretty relevant Till I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. You could have rented the house out. It would have paid for itself and then some. And the value goes to $1.4 million, and yes, you got to put a lot of money and everything in it. And then I started thinking about our little stock market that we're dealing with right now. And I thought, well, if you took some money and you put it in the stock market, how much would you have had to invest to have the same $1.4 million today in retrospect to the beachfront house? Would those numbers have panned out? And in my findings, Terry, what I found is the same that's held true about 95% of the time. Real estate, investing in real estate outperforms the stock market 95 and your mutual fund 95% of the time. So what's the moral of the story? They should have got a lot of friends, family members, and everybody that we knew went in together and bought that beachfront house. In fact, they should have bought a dozen of them. So- and and not to mention, I'm standing there now, 50 years old, thinking, man, I could have had ownership. I could have stayed in this house rather than come back 40 years later, stay on the beach from a distance and say, I wonder what it looks like inside. I could have taken my kids and stayed there for a week or two because maybe we'll inherit it one day, right? That's the other part of the equation, but... That's not going to happen. Mom and Dad, I love you. It's okay. No hard feelings. Just wanted to have a little real estate fun with you guys. And uh, so those are my thoughts on that as far as the beach market, which I got to see. So, all right. We got about another 30 seconds. Terry buyers. same thing. I got more in the game, but a lot of them are pushing back and wanting to know about Closing costs help and a lot of other factors, doing home inspections, not as is. We are definitely and see things changing as far as that. So we have about a minute and a half, Terry. I want to get your thoughts on everything I just shared. I'm going to let you end the program, all right? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the beach and, and second homes and stuff like that. I've talked on the show before. Those are loans that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do not want in anybody's portfolio. So the interest rates on a second home are actually higher, and at some points they're higher than a investment property because if the market turns, the second home market is the one that is going to suffer the most, okay, because that's a luxury item that you'd be willing to part with rather than your primary residence. So if you do go to the beach, uh, expect higher interest rates. If you go to the mountains, expect higher interest rates. When I say higher, I'm talking 6.5%, you know, to get a second home rate. So so not to burst anybody's bubble if they're going to go out there, but just be prepared. Don't fall in love with something. Fall in love with a dream and then realize that it's not feasible to do.
1: Wow. So I guess I shouldn't get too excited Standing on the beach looking at those homes thinking this is going to cost me more than I thought it would interest. It would have been good to buy it six months ago or a year ago when the interest rates are less than all that. But nevertheless. You got to figure out, Terry. You said a key thing. You got to know your numbers. Don't fall in love with something and find out later. Oh boy, this is a surprise wake-up call. What are you talking about? I'm mad now. You got to know, and this is why we do this, so that people are armed and dangerous and prepared. So we got 30 seconds. Give me your last thoughts.
0: Uh, last thoughts is I think we're going to continue to see demand decrease, and I think we're going to continue to see supply increase. Which, when that happens, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to start to see a leveling out and possibly a slight reduction in list prices for what's going on right now. So if you're anxious, 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 give it a little bit of time. You know, if if 81% of the people out there think it's a bad time to buy a house, then it probably is not a great time to buy a house.
1: All right. Hey, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Take care. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week now.
0: Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over 100 years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling and outstanding customer service so next time you need to place your signature on closing documents call lawyer signature settlements at 301-695-1235 or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com we hope to see you at the closing table hello this is terry kernan with presidential bank mortgage in downtown frederick and the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301 639 9244 Or you can always email me at at
1: and this is Darren Ahern from RE/MAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.